You're listening to Cultivate Curiosity, a podcast that inspires the next generation to stay curious. Cultivate Curiosity is brought to you by the Emerald Coast Science Center, a nonprofit interactive science museum and STEAM educational facility in Fort Long Beach, Florida. This podcast is perfect for anyone curious about the world we live in because you never know what we'll talk about next. Hi, my name's Harley and I'm an educator and the community affairs coordinator here at the Emerald Coast Science Center. Hi, my name is Diane and I'm the director. And hi, my name is JC and I'm the social media coordinator. And today we're going to be talking about Shark Week, which is this week. It already started, so we just want to talk a little bit about sharks, what Shark Week is, and some other things as well. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Shark Week, which is an annual week-long TV programming block at the Discovery Channel, which features shark-based programming. Shark Week originally premiered on July 17th, 1988, that'd be 35 years ago. It was originally devoted to conservation efforts and correcting misconceptions about sharks, but over time, it grew in popularity and became a hit on the Discovery Channel. Since 2010, it has been the longest-running cable television programming event in history. It has been hosted by many notable people, and last year, in 2022, it was hosted by Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and this year, it is hosted by Jason Momoa. Yeah. Aquaman. I know. <laughs> Fitting. Yes. And you can visit uh, their website, which we'll have linked, so that way you guys can see the different videos, podcasts, and movies that they are featuring for this week's Shark Week. So definitely check out all the stuff they'll have. I'm sure they'll have some pretty cool podcasts. I saw some of their videos already, too. So now we want to talk about sharks, all things sharks. So I'm going to get started with some fun facts and information about them. So sharks are a group of elasmobranch fish characterized by a cartilaginous skeleton, five to seven gill slits on the sides of the head, and pectoral fins that are not fused to the head. Sharks range in size from the small dwarf lantern shark, a deep sea species that is only 17 centimeters in length, to the whale shark that is the largest fish in the world, which reaches approximately 12 meters or 50 feet in length. So that's a really big one. Sharks are found in all seas and are common to depths about 2,000 meters. They generally do not live in freshwater, although there are a few known exceptions, such as the bull shark and the river shark, which can be found in both seawater and freshwater. Sharks have been in existence for over 400 million years. There's actually fossil evidence that dates back to 450 million years ago, but only scales have been found, not teeth. If the scales did happen to come from an early shark, then those sharks could have been toothless. Sharks have a covering of dermal denticles that protects their skin from damage and parasites in addition to improving their fluid dynamics. Dermal denticles, also known as placoid scales, are pointed and tooth-shaped. Shark teeth are embedded in the gums rather than directly affixed to the jaw and are constantly replaced throughout their life. Multiple rows of replacement teeth grow in a groove on the inside of the jaw and steadily move forward similar to a conveyor belt. Some sharks lose 30,000 or more teeth in their lifetime. The rate of tooth replacement varies from once every 8 to 10 days to several months. In most species, teeth are replaced one at a time as opposed to the simultaneous replacement of an entire row, which is observed in the cookie cutter shark. Shark skeletons are very different from those of bony fish and terrestrial vertebrates. Sharks and other cartilaginous fish, such as skates and rays, have skeletons made of cartilage and connective tissue, meaning they have no bones in their bodies. Cartilage is flexible yet durable, yet it is about half the normal density of bone. This reduces the skeleton's weight, saving energy. Because sharks do not have rib cages, they can easily be crushed under their own weight on land. And that's why you don't see shark skeletons, mm-hmm. is because they're made of cartilage, just like a nose, our nose, and our ears, ears are also made of cartilage. So when you look at a skull, 
doesn't have ears and it has like a little <laughs> opening where the nose is supposed to be. However, their jaws are um, made of calcified cartilage, which is why you do see a skeleton for shark jaws. The jaws of sharks, like those of rays and skates, are not attached to the cranium, which is the top part of your skull. The jaw's surface, in comparison to the shark's vertebrae and gill arches, needs extra support due to its heavy exposure to physical stress and its need for strength. It has a layer of tiny hexagonal plates called tesserae, which are crystal blocks of calcium salts arranged in a mosaic. This gives these areas much of the same strength found in the bony tissues found in other animals. A shark's bite can generate 40,000 psi, or pounds per square inch, of pressure. Unlike bony fish, sharks do not have gas-filled swim bladders for buoyancy. Instead, sharks rely on a large liver filled with an oil that contains squalene, which is a colorless oil, and their cartilage, which is about half the normal density of the bone. Their liver constitutes up to 30% of their total body mass. The liver's effectiveness is limited, so sharks employ dynamic lift to maintain depth while swimming. Sand tiger sharks store air in their stomachs, using it as a form of a swim bladder. Bottom-dwelling sharks, like the nurse shark, have negative buoyancy, allowing them to rest on the ocean floor. Extracts from a shark's gallbladder are used in the treatment of both cataracts and acne. I did not know that. I saw that and I was like, that is different. <laughs> <laughs> Most sharks are cold-blooded, or more precisely, poikilothermic, meaning that their internal body temperature matches that of their ambient environment. Sharks have keen olfactory senses located in the short duct between the anterior and posterior nasal openings, with some species able to detect as little as one part per million of blood in seawater. Sharks have the ability to determine the direction of a given scent based on the timing of scent detection in each nostril. Their eyesight is well adapted to the marine environment with the help of a tissue called a tapetum lucidum. This tissue is behind the retina and reflects light back to it, thereby increasing visibility in the dark waters. Sharks are colorblind due to the composition of the photoreceptors in their eyes. Their sight lines span nearly 360 degrees. They have only two blind spots, one in front of the snout and the other directly behind the head. Sharks use of the ampliophorensine electroreceptor organs inside their body to detect the electromagnetic fields that all living things produce. This helps sharks, particularly the hammerhead shark, find prey. The shark has the greatest electrical sensitivity of any animal. Several species of sharks are apex predators, which are organisms that are at the top of their food chain. Select examples include the tiger shark, the blue shark, great white shark, mako shark, fosher shark, and the hammerhead shark. Is that why they do the nose thing or the head? Have you ever seen like people who are trained swimming with sharks? Oh, like, and they will like the shark will approach them and then they'll put their hand like right between their eyes on top of their head or like right on their nose and push mm -hmm. them away. Okay, so why would you ever want to be that close to a shark to touch it? I mean, there's would be nice kind of cool. Sharks. I didn't say some sharks are nice. So. I would just prefer to be trained. Yeah, to exactly. <laughs> I think nurse sharks because when we yeah. went to the Bahamas one time, there was a, like this whole area of nurse sharks that would sit around by the dock, and people would feed yeah. them off the docks. And they mm -hmm. were supposed to be, you know, relatively gentle. Mm -hmm. they're, they're big, they're large, mm -hmm. but they're not supposed to be like aggressive. Yeah, mm -hmm. like the bull shark, which is like, you know, or the tiger. Yeah. Yeah, that might be why. So that way, it's like. Can't yeah. see me, but yeah. maybe I hit something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Turn around. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about shark conservation because that's ideally what the whole idea behind Shark Week was was to talk about shark conservation. The odds of being attacked and killed by a shark are one in three million seven hundred forty-eight thousand and sixty-seven. Despite what many may think, shark attacks are very rare. On average, there are seventy to one hundred shark attacks per year, and this is across the world. 
and only 5 to 15 of those result in someone expiring. By contrast, the odds of being struck by lightning are way higher, 1 in 78,746. You are more likely to die from falling out of bed than because of a shark. 600 Americans a year die by falling out of bed, and on average less than 6 people are killed by a shark every year worldwide. Out of the known species of sharks, only 20 are known to attack humans. There are more than 470 different species of sharks. By comparison, humans kill 100 million sharks every year or 11,000 sharks per hour. So by the time you're done listening to this podcast, probably about 5,000 sharks have been killed by humans. Sharks are caught by humans for shark meat and shark fin soup. Many shark populations are threatened by human activities. Since 1970, shark populations have been reduced by 71%, mostly from overfishing. Fishermen capture live sharks, fin them, and then dump the finless shark back into the water. Shark finning involves removing the fin with a hot metal blade, the resulting immobile shark soon dies from suffocation or predators. Poachers illegally fin millions each year. This is a really popular dish in Asian cuisine. It's called shark fin soup. And so they just waste the rest of the shark. And the shark uses its fin to help it. It's like it's a rudder. So it helps mm-hmm. it to have the direction of where it wants to swim. So once they take off the fin, then the shark can't do anything. It's no, just... yeah. It's just like just dead in the water, basically. Mm-hmm. California, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Texas, Nevada, Washington, and three U.S. territories, American Samoa, Guam, and the Northern Mariana Islands, have enacted laws that prohibit shark fin trade outright, making it illegal to sell, trade, or possess shark fins within their borders. You might want to see Florida there. I have not. So Ooh. there's quite a few states still that have not done that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So one cool shark we want to talk about are whale sharks. Whale sharks are approximately the size of a school bus, like JC mentioned earlier, which we are in right now. Yes. And they are huge. They can be up to 40, 50 feet in length and also weigh 20.6 tons, making them the largest fish in the sea. Despite their massive size, the whale shark is a filter feeder that can neither bite nor chew, although its mouth can stretch to four feet wide. Its teeth are so tiny that it can only eat small shrimp, fish, and plankton by using its gill rakers as a suction filter. It's thought that less than 10% of whale sharks born survive to adulthood, but those that do may live up to like 150. Whale sharks can be found in all temperate and tropical oceans around the world, except the Mediterranean Sea. They can migrate thousands of miles to different feeding grounds, but only at a slow swimming speed of around three miles per hour. There was also a whale shark that was spotted off the coast of Destin on July 17th, which that was when Shark Week started in 1988, that same day. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Interesting. (laughs) And you can check out the video from WEAR, ABC, 3 News, Pensacola on their Facebook, and we'll have it linked in the description of the podcast episode as well. I also recently saw that Alex Fogg and their team is trying to go and like put markers on the whale sharks so they can track their movements like mm-hmm. as they're in the area so there's that great white shark isn't her name like Katie or something and she has a mm-hmm. tag on it and you mm-hmm. can follow her movements too yeah 
So you could probably just Google Katie the Great White Shark and <laughs> you can see, you know, where she moves and what her range is. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention was about shark's teeth. So I used to live down in Gainesville. I went to school there and one of the things we did and just to pass time and to get out of the books was to go actually look for shark's teeth. If you don't know where Gainesville is, it is central Florida. It's not on either of the coasts. It's in the middle and there are shark's teeth there. We specifically went to Loblolly Woods Nature Park and it's a many of the parks that are around Hogtown Creek, but Hogtown Creek is where you're going to see those, and it's just a small creek that cuts directly through the city. Loblolly Woods has a few miles of like hiking and biking, jogging trails, but those creeks you can go and sit in, and it is definitely the star of the show. It's nice and cold, it feels good when it's hot and swampy in Gainesville, and it also plays a vital role in Gainesville's ecology, and it ultimately flows into the aquifer from the from the Gainesvillians draw in their drinking water. The creek itself has mostly a sandy bottom but the pebbles will gather in the bins where the elevation of the creek's bottom changes so if you grab a handful of the pebbles and you carefully start to look through them within about 15 minutes you can find probably 5 to 10 15 tiny shark's teeth. You do have to look really closely. Sometimes you can even take a strainer or a sieve and scoop it up. Basically, why these shark's teeth are there though, a little bit about that. About 10 million years ago, according to the experts, the creeks in Gainesville cut into a phosphate layer under the soil, which formed when Central Florida was first rising out of the ocean. That layer holds the fossilized remains of aquatic animals and land animals. Saber teeth have also been found in the area, for example. I've also found a couple of skates teeth as well. In fact, Gainesville is one of the best places in the state to look for fossils, especially shark's teeth. Hogtown Creek, Rattlesnake Creek, and many of the other places are just covered in shark's teeth. The best time to go and hunt for these shark's teeth is right after a heavy rain. The water level will rise and leave the less dense fossils right on the top and the more dense rocks down at the bottom. And the best place to look for these is where the creeks are bending. But it's important to know that when you're going and looking for these things that you are aware of how much sediment you're moving around and how much you are digging and scooping out of the sand. And it's important that we don't want to leave too deep of holes because it can, again, mess with the sediment and then that can ultimately mess with the water quality of the creek, which you do not want to happen because, like we mentioned before, the people drink that water there. If you are looking to do a shark-based activity, we briefly talked a little bit about how sharks have an oily liver, which makes them buoyant. And buoyancy is the ability to float in water or other fluids. But sharks need to put effort into remaining buoyant though. In fact, they really can't stop swimming or they will sink. So most bony fish have a swim bladder, which is the internal organ that's filled with gas that helps the fish float without having to swim all the time. But sharks, which are the elasmobranch fish, um, they don't have the swim bladder to help them with the buoyancy. And the reason is because sharks can rapidly change depth without bursting an air-filled swim bladder. So if they had a swim bladder and it was full of air and they dove down really deep, that would bust and then they would drown essentially. So the sharks float because of that oily liver in water, it will allow them to kind of stay above. So a little activity you can do is get a water bottle or a balloon and fill one of them up with oil and the other one just leave it with air as your air-filled bladder 
and then sit them both in a bucket of water and observe what happens. If you want to take it a little step further, you can take another water bottle or balloon, fill it up with water, put that in the bucket of water as well, and watch that sink down to the bottom of your bucket. Super fun to see, and if you're looking for something a little bit more fun to do with your kids, you can even give them some Sharpies and they can draw shark's teeth or fish on the side of the bottle or balloon. There are a couple of other reasons why sharks can float as well. They are made of cartilage rather than bone, like we mentioned before, and that is also lighter than bone. The side fins are also somewhat like wings, while the tail fin generates constant movement, pushing the shark forward. The fin will lift the shark while the tail moves the shark through the water, and however, a shark cannot swim backwards, only forwards. So I just looked it up and there's a shark tracker and it's an app. You can get it on your phone or you can check it out on the internet and it's O-C-E-A-R-C-H dot org. And I just pulled the map up and look at the sharks that are right around there. Oh. Right around Florida. And it looks like there's one over just south of Louisiana. There's one maybe right by Jacksonville and there's a couple of them down by the bottom of Florida around the Keys area that they're tracking that just all pinged recently. Wow. So I think that's kind of, kind of cool, um, you know, and, and just an extension of, you know, finding out what sharks live where. We know that here we have hammerheads, mm -hmm. we have bull sharks, those are probably the ones that people talk about most often. And I know that we just recently, there was a picture on social media of a hammerhead that was on the beach somewhere, they were taking a picture of it. And I know there's been hammerheads that have like just cruise through Crab Island when people mm -hmm. are out there. So, um, oh you know, boy. they're there, but just remember that they were there first. Mm -hmm. It's their home. It's their home. visiting. That's right. We are the guest, and we are entering their space. And they're only, typically, will feed in dusk and dawn, mm -hmm. which will tell you, you know, please be careful when you're in the water, especially around dusk time, because that's when, or if you see fish schooling together, you know, don't go swim into the middle of a school of fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's exactly what they're looking for. You'll also be seen as a fish. <laughs> yeah. So we do have a couple of um, shark jaws here at the Science Center. So we have a new bones exhibit. And again, we said that the jaw is the only part that lasts because it is calcified cartilage. So it does have more of a bone type structure. The rest of the shark is cartilage. And so it would just disappears. It breaks down and goes away. And then we also have a couple of sharks that are outside mm -hmm. uh, made out of wood, but they're in our little ocean area right next to our pontoon boat and have some different information about sharks that live in our area. Mm -hmm. And a well. hammerhead shark photo op. Yes. Oh, that's true. You yes. can put yourself inside the mouth of the hammerhead. Mm -hmm. Yes. So definitely check those out. So we want to close out with a few shark puns. Um, so are you, are you guys ready? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Stay jawsome. Mm. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> What do sharks do when they have a big choice to make? Choose wisely. Hmm. <laughs> Don't debate me. You won't win this fight. <laughs> <laughs> what type of shark are the shadiest sharks? Uh, Hard sharks. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's cute. Well, and I think, I think if you sort of think about that, sharks 
kind of like snakes. They're always like the bad guys, mm-hmm. so they always get a bad rap. And actually, they're incredible creatures. They've been around for millions and millions and millions of years and haven't really changed that much over the course of time. Mm-hmm. Again, we are just decimating the population of them worldwide, mm-hmm. so we don't even know what's going to happen as what we do influences shark populations. Mm-hmm. So. But would also influence every other population if exactly. they're apex predators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as an apex predator. Mm-hmm. So everybody have a great shark week, and just keep in mind that they are trying to sensationalize the sharks um, mm-hmm. on the television programs. Yes, and most of the movies, I'm sure. Right, because way. they want you to watch. And yes. <laughs> so yes. If you watch those, be sure to laugh, because yes. it's funny that they're so inaccurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is all for our podcast this week. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cultivate Curiosity. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at socialmedia at Tune in for our next episode in two weeks.